Well, good morning, friends. It's good to be with you this morning. My name is Jason Cork, and I am humbled and honored to share a message from God's Word with you today. Now, it just so happens that two years ago on this very date, July 31st, 2020, Pastor Jeff invited me to serve as pastor of worship arts here at Friends Church. So on behalf of my wife, Melissa, my daughter, Sadie, and my son, Matthew, I want to thank you for welcoming me and us into this precious and beautiful family of God. We have grown to love you, and we look forward to what the future holds as we continue to walk together in faith. So as you've heard, we just got back from kids' camp, and I want to say a quick word of thanks. Pastor Adam is amazing. All the volunteers, junior staff, counselors, there was a sweet spirit of unity throughout the week, and we did make quite a few big messes as well, and we'll hear more about that next week in our service. In January of 2022, the Deseret News and the Marist Poll conducted a Faith in America survey. The headline from a March 2022 article about the survey reads like this, we're watching post-Christian America unfold in real time. The study indicated that only 54% of U.S. adults believe in God as described in the Bible. It also indicated that church attendance continues to decline. According to the survey, 40% of U.S. adults report attending religious services at least once or twice a month, and that's down from 52% in 2011. And here's the most concerning one. Only 21% of those surveyed between the ages of 18 and 29 attend religious services weekly. Now, I'm sure we've all heard the reasons why people don't attend church. I don't need to go to church. I believe in God. The church is just filled with a bunch of hypocrites, right? We've heard that. How about this one? I'm not religious, but I am spiritual. I even saw someone at Walmart in North Olmsted last week wearing a shirt that read, Religion is Poison. The church has not just lost respect and authority. Church, for most people, is simply not relevant anymore. The global pandemic over the last few years has only hastened the reality that the majority of people in our country are not attending church. Most aspects of regular everyday life have returned, right? Sports stadiums are full, theme parks are crowded, but the church in America has not bounced back. More churches are closing than opening in America today. Church buildings, instead of being places of worship, are being converted to antique malls and hair salons. Those that do continue to attend find themselves attending less and less often. When previous generations would attend church, when? Wednesday night, Sunday morning, and Sunday evening every week. Now, getting to church, even once a month, is getting more and more difficult. But God's word, however, clearly encourages us to gather as a body of believers on a regular basis. Hebrews 10, 23-25 reads this, Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So we know that we should gather together, 
But have you ever wondered why God has asked us to do this? Understanding the why is essential to influencing behavior. If the reason we go to church is because, or because it's what we've always done, or it's just the right thing to do, we're in trouble. Here's the question I want to pose to you today. What's the point? Is the institution that began 2,000 years ago relevant today? Why is it important to be an active participant in a Bible-believing church in 2022? And how do we get back to God's original vision for his church to accomplish the mission that he created us for? I do believe that the church is an essential part of God's plan for our life as a follower of Jesus Christ. And I also believe that through the church, God offers hope and life to a dying world. My prayer today is that you walk away from this service with a deeper understanding of God's purpose for the church. Now, most messages about the church are taken from the book of Acts, which we know chronicles the story of the early church. But I think God gives us the blueprint before that in John chapter 13. Would you stand as I read God's word for us today? John chapter 13, beginning in verse 1. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around them. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I am doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested, you will never ever wash my feet. Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Simon Peter exclaimed, Then wash my hands and head as well, Lord, not just my feet. Jesus replied, A person who has bathed all over does not need to wash, except for the feet, to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. For Jesus knew who would betray him. That is what he meant when he said, Not all of us, of you, are clean. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down, and asked, Do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. You may be seated. As I have shared with many of you, I was raised in the Seventh-day Adventist Church. We went to church on Saturday, not Sunday. I wasn't allowed to eat bacon. I know, I know. And every 13 weeks, we would celebrate 13th Sabbath. Now the day would start out with a special combined Sabbath school program, a mission spotlight slideshow highlighting the work of the church in another country, and then after an abbreviated message, 
The adults in the church would leave the sanctuary, men would go downstairs, and women would go down the hall, while the kids had to wait in the sanctuary. Now, as a child, I had no idea what was happening in the other room. It was just this really awkward silence for about 10 minutes, and then I would hear a hymn being sung, and then the adults would return back to the sanctuary. When they did, they would sit in every other row, those marked with a flower, and prepare to receive communion. After I was baptized at 14, I was finally allowed to participate in this activity, and it was called the Ordinance of Humility, foot washing. Chairs were lined up in the downstairs hallway of the church with a basin and two towels at each seat. The first step was to pick a partner. Then one person would sit down and remove their socks and shoes, while the other went to the bucket to ladle some water into the basin. Now the trick, there was a trick to this, was to wash the person's feet without actually touching them. So what you would do is you would place the basin under the foot, you'd sprinkle some water onto the foot, and then quickly wipe the foot dry. Now my dad was a master at making small talk while washing someone's feet. The whole feeling throughout the room was just this was some kind of ordinary, everyday thing to do. And I must admit, it did feel kind of nice when you put your socks and shoes back on with freshly rinsed feet. Now, there is nothing inherently wrong with, someone, with washing someone's feet. But I have come to believe that the story of Jesus washing the disciples' feet has much more to tell us about the purpose and function of the church and how we interact with each other and less about actually watching each other's feet. Going back to John 13, before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that his time on earth was coming to an end. Being fully God and fully man, he knew what would transpire just a few short hours later. He knew this would be the last time that the 12 disciples would share a meal together. Have you ever wondered what their life must have been like? Three years traveling together, highs and lows, good days and bad days. There must have been rewarding times and there must have been frustrating times. Some of our kids at camp were already getting frustrated with each other after day one. But these guys did life together in close proximity for three years. Three years of serving, of healing, preaching, teaching. And in their final moments together, Jesus and his disciples, he teaches them one more lesson. In the upper room, away from the spotlight, Jesus gathered them together to love them. Jesus knew that Judas had already betrayed him, but he welcomed him into the dinner also. He had every right and reason to exclude him, to stop him at the door, but he didn't. He loved them all, even Judas, to the very end. So if God himself welcomed and served Judas alongside all of the other disciples, then it is absolutely essential we understand this. Everyone is invited to the table. Popular tradition in the church I grew up in was the after-church potluck. The long table was filled with a wide variety of options, and in, in the church I grew up in, it was always vegetarian. So there were things like special K loaf, it, as weird as it sounds, casseroles, salads, breads and butter, and an assortment of desserts. If you didn't recognize something, it was a very good strategy just to take a small portion 
because you never know what it would taste like, and you didn't want to be stuck eating something that was less than appetizing. I remember one week, the family that lived next door to the church was invited to the meal. Unfamiliar with the church and its beliefs, they proudly brought a dish made with pork. It was an incredibly awkward and unfortunate moment when the couple was told that we couldn't put out the dish that they brought because it was made of pork. Sadly, we never saw that couple again. I believe that God's heart breaks every time someone is turned away from a church. All are invited. All are welcome. This week, while driving through Selineville, Ohio, I came across this sign. It says it all, doesn't it? This is the kind of church that I want to be a part of. This is the church that Jesus intended us to be. Everyone is invited at the table. Dr. Greg Miller, the incoming president of Malone University, shared this vision for the school at our yearly meeting a few weeks ago. At Malone, we love and care for each and every student which God sends our way, no matter where they are in their faith journey, or even if they have no faith at all. No matter where you are in your faith journey, you are welcome here at Malone. But this welcoming is not an end in itself. It is a welcoming toward a particular end goal. We welcome all students in order to disciple them toward Christ. One of the things I admire most about our Evangelical Friends Church Eastern Region is the importance of community and the understanding that each person has a voice, a place, and a part in the work of building the kingdom. You matter. You matter to God. The person sitting next to you matters as well. There is a seat at the table, and one seat is not more important than another. So he got up from the table, he took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around them. So I'm the youngest of six kids. When we get together, I'm still called the baby. I have four brothers, and I have one sister. And I remember growing up, we fought about everything. Can anybody relate to that? We fought about who was going to pick up the sticks in the yard. We fought about who was going to help make dinner. We fought about who was going to clean up. And most importantly, we fought about who was going to do the dishes. We did everything we could to avoid any type of responsibility. I wonder if the disciples were ever like that. Can you imagine? So who's going to look for a place to sleep tonight? Who's going to look and find dinner? But Jesus, fully aware of who he was, placed himself in the lowest position and washed their feet. Like Jesus, we are called to put others first. Did you come into this house today to serve or to be served? The consumer mentality is rampant throughout the American church. When looking for a church to attend, we often ask the, the following questions. Well, how's the preaching? What style of music is used? Is the band any good? Are the seats comfortable? Most importantly, how's the coffee? Is it conveniently located? Are there people like me there? But instead of asking, how can this church serve me? I want to challenge you to ask this question instead. How can I serve the church? Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. He got his hands dirty. Washing feet was hard work, and he did not shy away from it. He got out of his comfort zone and did the job that needed to be done, and he put the disciples' needs ahead of his own. 
Watching our youth serve our kids this week was really inspiring. They worked long, hard days. After one day with my son Matthew and the other boys, Karen and Brett were exhausted. But they made a difference in the lives of those kids. And as a dad, I am so grateful. If you find yourself getting too comfortable or thinking about yourself too much, perhaps it's time for a little paradigm shift. For in Acts 20, 35, we read, You should remember the words of Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. It's time to lay down our preferences, give away what has been given to us. It's time to give up our seat and go to the end of the line. It's not about you and it's not about me. It never has been and it never will be. I love a quote I read recently. If you love everything that your church does, then you're only reaching people like you. What are you willing to do to see someone come to faith in Jesus Christ? One church I came across several years ago had this attitude. We will do everything short of sinning to reach the lost. I love that. By washing the disciples' feet, Jesus put their needs in front of his. He made himself uncomfortable, and he challenges us to do the same. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I am doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested, you will never, ever wash my feet. Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Simon Peter exclaimed, then wash my hands and head as well, Lord, and not just my feet. I love this part of the story. As Jesus is washing the other disciples' feet, what's Peter doing? He's watching, right? And I'm trying to imagine what's going on in Peter's mind. He just does not get it. He does not understand what's happening. and He's almost offended by what Jesus is doing. So he pushes back and he says, Jesus, this is not happening. This is where I draw the line. You are not washing my feet. And with a gentle correction, Jesus says, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. I love the fact that Peter felt comfortable enough around Jesus to question him. I don't believe God is threatened by our questions. I think he invites them. So I want to encourage you this morning to ask lots of questions. I'm so thankful for this church. I'm thankful for the ministry staff who is very supportive of each other. And we also work in close collaboration with the Board of Elders as we love people to life in Jesus Christ. And while we work very hard to communicate in a clear and consistent manner, there are times when things happen that you may have questions about. You may even disagree with a decision that is made or have concerns. But conflict is a normal and natural part of life. We saw a little bit of conflict this week at Kids Camp. Conflict is simply two people holding two points of view at the same time. That's all it is. And too often in church we avoid conflict until it's too late. We let things build and build until one more thing happens, which is often described as the straw that broke the camel's back, and unity is broken. And thanks to social media, it is becoming easier and easier to isolate ourselves and only communicate with the people we agree with. Our circle gets smaller and smaller. How else do you think we ended up with over 45,000 different 
Christian denominations worldwide. As Jesus demonstrated with Peter, conflict is simply an opportunity for us to come to a greater understanding. And if handled correctly, we should be stronger after resolving the conflict than if it had never happened. My last job for the Walt Disney World Resort was in guest communication services. Our department responded to the letters and emails that were sent by Disney World guests after their visits. Now, while some were filled with compliments, I would say the vast majority were about things that went wrong. Can you believe this? Things go wrong at Disney World? Amazing. I learned a lot from that job, especially about communication and resolving conflict. It was a great preparation for ministry. We had a formula to follow. Listen, apologize, solve, and thank. And we were each given complete authority to do whatever it took to restore the magic. I didn't have to ask permission to do whatever I felt like what was needed. And we did that one guest at a time. Now the aim for our department was not to simply address the issue, but to make the connection even stronger than it was had there not been a problem in the first place. Our job was to turn advocates into advocates. And if we succeeded, the guest would return to the resort over and over and over again. Peter's response to Christ demonstrates this principle in verse 9. Simon Peter exclaimed, Then wash my hands and head as well, Lord, not just my feet. Peter's faith grew because he asked a question. His enthusiasm for the mission increased as a result of working through the conflict. <clears throat> Each person that is a part of our church has their own individual point of view. We come from different states, denominations, traditions, and experiences, and I hear that there may even be a few Michigan fans here. I believe I can speak for all the staff and leaders of our church when I say that we want to hear from you. That's why we have a Connect card. We are here to serve. If you have a question or concern, please let us know. We love the opportunity to connect. And as your pastor of worship arts, I understand that each person in our church has an individual perspective on worship. There are some songs we sing that one person loves and the next person hates. In church, did you know that it is actually possible for the, for the volume to be too loud and too soft at the same time? Some songs are sung too much, with too many repeats, and others, not enough. Church, don't be afraid to tell me what you think. I would love to hear your perspective on things and share with you the why behind what you see and experience on Sunday morning. Now, let me give you a warning here, though. If you tell me right before service or right after service, I will forget because my brain is mush. But let's get together during the week and have a conversation. I would consider it a privilege to step into that space with you so that we can grow together in the Lord. Amen? On Monday night, after a first long first day at camp, the counselors were worn out and tired. And after all the campers went to bed, they gathered together in the common room at Camp Gideon and began singing worship songs. After a few minutes of singing together, Hayden Fenimore said, we should do this every night. It was amazing to watch the Spirit of God descend upon our young leaders as they worshiped together. They were being restored, renewed, and refocused for the work that was before them. 
Now, after washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, Do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. Come to serve, not to be served. If you want to fully experience life in our church community, I encourage you to serve. Our primary purpose as a ministry staff is to equip and empower the people of God to fulfill their calling of lifelong service to our Lord and Savior. And it was such an awesome thrill for me to have the worship team lead without me. That's why I'm here, to equip and empower. Most of what happens here at Friends Church, you might not know this, actually happens outside of Sunday morning. We're open all week. There are many opportunities to serve, and I would like to highlight a few as I close our time together. Our Elyria campus represents an exciting new chapter in our church and a new community to serve. About a year ago, our ministry staff went on a retreat and spent time together seeking after God's will for our congregation. And out of nowhere, it seemed, this opportunity presented itself. Every time I tell the story of how it came to be, people are blown away. It just does not happen, right? We have a beautiful building and a campus, but what we need now are people who are willing to step out of their comfort zone and help us create a space for those whom God has called us to serve. If God is calling you to this ministry, reach out to Pastor Dave and just ask him one question. How can I help? Our children's youth and young adult ministries are thriving under the leadership of Pastor Adam and Adrian, but we are limited by what we can do by the number of volunteers that we have available to serve in those areas. We are back open and serving many families, but they need help. Do you have a passion for worship? Do you know how to play a musical instrument or sing? Do you enjoy working with technology? Perhaps it's time for you to join the worship team. I encourage you to register for the worship summit on August 20th after church today in the Church Life Center. There are many, many more opportunities to get involved here at North Elmstead Friends Church. Women's ministry, men's ministry, adult discipleship, silver friends. If you don't know where, but you know that you want to get more involved, just let us know. Our ministry staff is here to help you find the area that God has called you to. As Jesus said to his disciples, I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I don't know where you are today. Perhaps you don't feel equipped or prepared. That's okay. God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. Maybe you've been hurt in the past, beat up, criticized, ignored, judged, or slighted. I've been there. And I believe that God can heal you and restore you. He has work for you to do. Brother Andrew is a Dutch Christian missionary known for smuggling Bibles into communist countries at the height of the Cold War. In his book, Secret Believers, What Happens When Muslims Believe in Christ, he writes the following. Of course it's dangerous, but it's a lot more dangerous for all of us if we don't do it. Even in a conquering army, there are casualties. Safety is not the issue when we look at the Great Commission. The purpose of the church cannot be to survive or even thrive, but to serve. 
Jesus Christ was born in a manger in Bethlehem. He lived a perfect life, and he died on a cross, hung between two thieves so that you and I could be reconciled to the Father. He gave up everything for us so that we could be freed from the penalty of sin and inherit eternal life with him. The church exists to point people to Christ. That's the point. Everyone is invited to the table. We are called to put others first. We need to ask lots of questions, and we need to come to serve, not to be served. And when we do that, just watch what happens. Let's pray. Father, I'm thankful for so many things. I'm thankful for this body of believers that has come together to worship you this morning. I'm thankful for everything that needed to happen to orchestrate this moment in time when we are gathered together in your name, seeking after your face, Father. Help us to know where we are called to serve. Help us to have the courage to step out of our comfort zone and to be a part of the impossible because, God, we know that through you all things are possible. Forgive us where we, are, we have hesitated. But help us to once again dedicate our lives to the mission that you have called us to, to proclaim your gospel message to the ends of the earth. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.